Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, hola, chulas. It's Delina, or Dalina, actually. I'm practicing this, everyone. I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition with Dalina. That's me. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation and is meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we are not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're ready to eat without guilt and enjoy cultural foods, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into my one-on-one programs, group programs, and I'm also offering a self-paced course for diet culture disruptors. Apply for the program that fits your needs at yourlatinanutrition.com. All right, chulas, we are here. This is our first freaking episode, and we are so, so, so excited. I should say first episode of this season, not actually. We've been around for a while now. Because we've been here for a while now, yes. And like we mentioned, we are going to be here to discuss the intuitive eating series, right? And today, we really want to focus on why the heck is it so freaking hard (laughs) to become an intuitive eater? It is hard. And it's harder because I think people are like, it's just eat, right? I just eat. So shouldn't this be easy? And I think that adds a second layer of frustration. So I'm excited for this episode because we want, before we talk about the skills of intuitive eating, to prime you with some things you might anticipate as roadblocks based on your family culture, based on maybe some of the messages you've heard up to this point. Yes. And I remember once one of my clients said to me, she's like, you know what? I really hate to think of intuitive eating as eat what you want whenever you want. And I was like, well, why do you, why do you say that? She's like, because it's really not, you know, like a free for all. And she's like, and that's what people assume. It's really more that I'm just like choosing with intent. And I was like, yes, like, this is really what it's all about. It's not like you're, you know, because I feel like when people assume it's a eat whatever you want, whenever you want, it has a bad connotation to it. Like, oh, you're going to be like a horrible person, you know, because you're just only going to eat Oreo cookies as opposed to like when you're really an intuitive eater. Yes, you're eating what you want, but there's a reasoning behind it. There's Mm. There's a bigger picture behind why you're choosing these foods and it has nothing to do with fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Cause a lot of our diet mindset or our diet style eating is reactionary. It's like, Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of eating the wrong thing. So I'll eat this, or I'm afraid of mm-hmm. overeating. So I'll behave like this and do portion mm-hmm. containers and all this stuff. So, or the idea of go big or go home. <laughs> In what way? What do you mean by that? 
like go big and have the supersized ah. even though you probably only wanted right maybe the medium or even the small like last supper but, mentality yeah like but even all with the money I might as well get my money's worth Ooh, good one good one yeah right? that's something that's so big in American culture which is not big in other cultures a lot of other cultures are just like yeah whatever you know mm-hmm. this is what you get <laughs> But in, in America, we're like, no, go big, get the yeah. supersized. You got to have it, love it, can't live without it. I don't know. I'm making that one up. What's what's the Cold Stone thing? I forgot. <laughs> I don't know. but I feel like that was like some McDonald's and Cold Stone marketing, like put into a blender. Together, because and- I don't know. <laughs> I don't really go to Cold Stone. We go to our local place. So they just at, have small, medium, and large. <laughs> at any rate, this is why I love listening to you, because I think like you have such a strong lens on like, well, how, when we, when we learn intuitive eating, how does that like filter through someone's culture? And like, yeah. that might distort the message a little bit, or it might, mm-hmm. might mean that someone might want to consider things differently. So we're, we're going to kind of yes. go through this. We kind of thought through some key points we wanted you to learn about as you're listening. And the first mm-hmm. one is standard nutrition advice that we get from mm-hmm. the government, from school. I would actually lump in probably um, diet culture messages that maybe mm-hmm. aren't always rooted in science, but feel like- yeah truth because it's so commonly repeated. What's your take on like standard nutrition advice? To me, I think of like that stupid, my plate with like half the plate, fruit and vegetable quarter plate, protein, quarter Mm -hmm. plate, grain. Mm -hmm. I think of the food pyramid before that. Yeah. That was a hot mess parade. How do you think that that makes it more complicated for people to become intuitive eaters, knowing that in the back of their mind. Yeah. I think that, and I say this a lot on Instagram and I feel like I'm going to sound like a broken record. You have all heard me say this, but it's like the people that created the USDA guidelines, even the people in the rooms that were probably creating my plate, they were looking at it from a very like individualistic American view, not from a place of like, oh, you know, the United States is a melting pot and there's so many different foods that can, you know, fall into these categories and maybe people don't set up their plate like this, yeah. <laughs> right? Because they've never truly stepped foot in our countries, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many people that are first and second generation right now consuming this information and that's not how we grew up eating, right? right? And so this idea of creating a plate I think came from a good place and I don't think they thought it all the way through to the cultural aspect Mm -hmm. because so many of us, and I'm saying us as like, you know, first gen, second gen people that don't really see themselves as full Americans because we have a whole nother culture to think of when, when we make decisions and choices, we don't eat that way. Like my food is all on top of each other. Okay. Like I don't separate food. I know that there's people that like that, but I'm like, it's all going to the same place. I'm just going to just put it all on. Yeah. I would say a lot of (laughs) folks and cultures, even even if it's maybe not explicit to their culture, that might be their tendency or their preference. Yeah. So it's a major like gap when we're saying, oh, I hope intuitive eating helps me eat in such a way. Like it might Mm -hmm. look like the my plate. The way they create the my plate is by doing surveys of what people are eating and figuring out what nutrition is needed. Mm-hmm. And that is an important first step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you're saying, that educational tool doesn't really resonate. And, and 
it's a lot. I mean, and to your point, you know, and I sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. I feel That's like okay. You get excited. I just did that. But to your point, it's like, who are they taking surveys of? People in the United States mm-hmm. who are so immersed in diet culture. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's people that are probably diet gurus and like they've tried every diet in the book. And so they want to please the surveyors by saying, well, this is how you eat healthy. Yeah. Um, well, that's definitely there is yeah. a, a bias. Cause I think yeah. we don't really, you'd have, it's a, it's like an anonymous sample or whatever, but the bias is definitely yes. there where people yes. are trying to say certain things. And so yeah. like nutrition in general is flawed in this way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's really important for you as you go into intuitive eating to really keep general nutrition in mind, but also try to let it go because ultimately it could serve as a roadblock to you really deciding what you want to eat. You might be trying to eat based on some carbon copy advice Mm -hmm. you got from a long time ago. So Mm -hmm. put that down as you go on the journey. So, so yeah, we have to think about it from that perspective and also the perspective of these people have never stepped foot in our countries. And if they did, they probably ate at a resort or didn't have like a complete picture of what our foods actually are, or maybe went to like a local place where they think they're eating authentic, but they're not. And that's, what's like basically telling them or giving them a picture of what our food looks like. When in reality, like our foods aren't just like one dish. Well, you're thousand percent right. Because I'm remembering from like trainings where They'd be like, okay, we got to get everybody to eat the my plate. So what we're going to do is you're going to put the beans in the protein corner. And like, so they just basically took that paradigm and tried to squeeze other cultures in it Mm -hmm. rather than going the other way where maybe there does need to be different types of uh, presentations based on your culture and how you like to eat. So yeah, totally. I know, but they have the food models. I know you've seen the food models for a long time. I love the food models magazine was my favorite part of my job. Hello. So silly. Taco shells. They're so ridiculous. And the folks, beans. these are rubber. And you know, by the way, I once <laughs> had clients tell me they're very triggering because a lot of times when you go into a weight loss visit, you mm-hmm. get these things brought out and they're mm-hmm. it's very silly. Yeah, they're rubber foods that we can show, show everybody how they're supposed to eat. And they get so dirty and dingy. <laughs> they do. They do. It's not a good look. Like all the dust. <laughs> but all this to say, like, think for a moment now, because this is why we're here. We're, we're trying to help you identify. What's rattling around in your head that might be like a sneaky food rule? And a food rule is any pre-prescribed way of saying what, when, and how much you're going to eat. Standard nutrition advice that you've seen over the years Mm -hmm. may not represent your culture. It may not represent you. And this is the moment now maybe to take, maybe you want to pause it and think through like, what are some of the little like I shoulds around nutrition I've learned Mm-hmm. from places and anything that you see on that list, we're on a challenge over the intuitive eating series we're yeah. going to offer. Yeah. Sure. And it's like these rules, right. Then infiltrate our families, but then they're like fighting against our culture. Right. Like, you know, all the messages that I've received about, you know, how a parent has gone to the doctors and it's diagnosed with diabetes or heart disease or whatever. And the first thing they say is stop eating fried tortillas. First of all, not everybody eats tortillas just because they're Latino. (laughs) 
also right? not all folks with heart disease and not all folks in bigger bodies are eating the types exactly. of foods people think. So it's like that, exactly. that, that stigmatizing message that people mm-hmm. get. It's like, oh, if you're white, I'm going to say, stop eating hamburgers. If you're Latino, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, stop eating fried tortillas. Mm-hmm. If you're like, it's like this racist, so meets racist. weight stigmatizing language all in, all in one. Not cool. And then, and then you go home and your poor parent or abuelita, whoever it is, is like terrified to eat, mm-hmm. terrified. And then I think that it, that fear-based instruction or like fear-based yeah. information, that's what I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. then backfires because I've had so many people say, F it, that I'm just not going to do anything. Like, I'm not even going to care. I'm just going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, right? And I'm, I'm just going to like leave it in God's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There can be a lot of morality too around like choosing nutritious foods within families. So for example, like be a good girl and eat Mm -hmm. your vegetables. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can also be used as reward and punishment. You don't get your dessert until you eat this quote, good food. And our parents were saying those things in part from advice they got from our pediatricians or from their doctors or, Mm -hmm. you know, Women's World Magazine or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Good housekeeping. Yeah. Like whatever they were like, oh, that's good. And I want to be a good mom and I want my kids to be good and I want them to grow up healthy. And so, you know, depending on parenting style, we're going to good, bad and embed that in Mm -hmm. some way. So yeah, good opportunity right now to say, okay, I'm a grown ass person. Mm -hmm. I get to decide what I believe is good and bad in the world. And maybe I don't need to carry all these standard nutrition recommendations that have been imposed on me over the years. And imposed without my family's culture and food dynamics. Mm -hmm. Right. Looked at. Right. 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 Or, or placed into context. It's just assumptions. Yeah. Based on, I don't know what. Yeah. These tools are population health tools. Like mm-hmm. they're meant, you know, the the more, the bigger the audience, the more simple the message has to be. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always going to be right or perfect. And I'm 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 being critical, but also saying this is a difficult thing to teach the mm-hmm. masses in a quick visual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the same time, as individuals, remembering that that's that's for the population level. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not for you to use as yeah. the manifesto for your life. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, and this is something that I struggle with a lot, being a dietitian and understanding that the science is there, but also understanding that the science in the United States is very white, male dominated. And the research that's coming out is pretty much looking at one type of person. It's not very diverse. And then the United States positions themselves as we are the best. We have all the best scientists and science equipment, and we do all the best research. And then it infiltrates our countries where people Mm. in those countries, scientists in those countries are trying to then mimic the information that's coming out of the United States right? Mm-hmm. And implementing it into their countries. And then the, the information just gets distorted, right? In the mm-hmm. process where people think that, oh my God, I'm eating horribly because, you know, this research study says this, but the research study wasn't done in your country. Right. <laughs> it was done in somewhere else. And a perfect example of this is I have a chula now in my group who is from Mexico and she is a researcher in Mexico. And that's exactly the issues that she's dealing with is because a lot of the information that she needs to implement for governmental data is coming from the United States 
Right. And they're trying to replicate it in the U.S. I mean, in Mexico, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing, right? And so this this idea of just like the United States has created that perfectionism idea, and it's like we're the best, we're the we're perfect, and now everybody else has to be just like right. us, right? Yeah, you should refer in the black body if you haven't. Client <laughs> of mine just said that that was one of the biggest shifts in her body image work was reading that book. So mm-hmm. sidebar go on and get it. Yes. So we've talked a bit about like, you know, and and certainly in other episodes, we've talked about this too, how nutrition advice does contain bias. It is then distilled down to public health messages that Mm -hmm. may or may not always represent an individual scenario. So to recap this, go ahead and figure out what are some of those sneaky food rules that came from those origins that you want to reestablish through the intuitive eating process. So if you know those, you'll have an easier time of reframing them through the series we'll offer. The second things we wanted to talk about was how to eat rules. And by this, we meant like what time, where, who's around. Mm -hmm. Those definitely exist out in the world. For example, we hear a lot. I know you talk about this a lot where it's like no eating after X PM. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dinner's the biggest meal of the day. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be lunch or you should have five small meals. There's all these like Mm -hmm. rules about like how Mm -hmm. you're supposed to eat the food, not just what you're supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. How do you see that butting against family cultures and making it hard to be intuitive? Yeah. I mean, I I often think about just the cultural differences country by country in South America, right? Like I, I often think about how like in the Dominican Republic, breakfast and lunch are the biggest meals and dinner is just like literally like bread toast with like cheese or avocado. Oh, avocado toast. (laughs) (laughs) Very fancy. You know, but not like the $15 one that you get at brunch here in the US. But like, I also remember growing up and like dinner, like my main meal was 3 p.m. And I feel like I've shared this before, like on the podcast, because my mom would be like, you didn't eat enough at school, like lunch, peanut butter and jelly isn't a meal, right? If you didn't have rice and beans, it wasn't a meal. So then I would come home and my brothers and I, we'd have to eat a full ass meal. (laughs) 3 p.m. But then dinner was always like super late. Like, honestly, like it was never like this big thing. And then now I have basically taken more of an American view of food where, because I'm working all day, when I cook my Dominican foods, they're going to be eaten in the afternoon for dinner, not for lunch, like my mom usually makes them. And my poor kids are like, well, we, we just, we ate that at my mom's house. The legacy continues. Oh my God, because they come home and it's like rice again. (laughs) Rice again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it's this this idea of like, and I feel like that's maybe something that that I learned from going to school and, and being a dietitian, this idea that like, I have to come home and cook this big dinner, right? It's like a very American thing. But when you look at other cultures, and I don't mind it. Like I I like having, I mean, obviously I like eating Dominican food. So I'm cooking for it for us at dinner. And Brian is also having it at that time because he's at work all day. Right. But it's very different from like how it is if you lived in the Dominican Republic yeah. or if you lived in Colombia or Venezuela or Argentina or any of these countries, right? Where like the meal times are different, but then you come to the U S and you have to kind of like assimilate to this idea of like dinners at 6 PM sharp. Yeah. <laughs> and then also the, nothing else. the whole like school and working structure. And I think that that yeah. is 
true for all of us is like the work structure and the demands of work Mm -hmm. do make make it hard to eat sometimes when it is intuitive for you or Mm -hmm. whether that's coming from within or if it's coming from like cultural norms Mm -hmm. of you wanting to socialize and spend time with people who are also Mm -hmm. eating. So one of the things that's important through the intuitive eating process is almost like, again, throwing away the rule book for a second and saying, what would it look like to eat when it's right for me? Mm -hmm. And when you say right for me, it could mean your body cues. It also could Mm -hmm. mean like, well, I have these meetings back to back and mm-hmm. can't really eat during that. So mm-hmm. here's how I'll approach it. Yeah. That's practical, right? That's that practical hunger and understanding that every day could also be different. There's days that I definitely eat five smaller meals because I'm grazing. I'm busy. I'm on the go. I don't have time to sit down and prepare a lunch and a dinner for myself and the kids. And then there's days where I have three big ass meals. For sure. <laughs> You know, so it's understanding that you have to be able to be flexible Mm -hmm. with your eating. Like that's the key that there's no right or wrong way of doing this Mm -hmm. as long as you're nourishing your body. I'll be honest, if that sentence just freaked you out, you're not alone. Many people (laughs) who have been dieting for a really long time. When people say something like, ah, throw out, I'm like, here, throw out the rule book. Or you're saying there's no right and wrong. Look, if you're going like, okay, crazy, that is such a normal response because for so long, we've been told there is one right way of eating. Mm -hmm. And that is why we're talking about this all today is we want to prime you and have you kind of have that feeling now so that when we go through the intuitive eating series, you can actually focus on the learning and not on the fear of what the intuitive eating process is going to mean for you. So if you at all feel afraid, remember, this is a stepwise approach Today is just about looking at what are some of the food rules you learned. And we started with what you're eating and we talked about how you're eating, like the timing and where and all that. Uh Uh The other thing that's going to come up for sure is you are going to start to learn your needs in a very real way through this intuitive eating process. And that might conflict with what other people expect of you Mm -hmm. or what other people used to see you do Mm -hmm. or what other people want you to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, prior to recording this, Delina and I were just chatting, like not all families are open to the boundary setting process. Mm -hmm. You told me an interesting fun fact about the Spanish language. Do you want to share that? Because I was blown away. There's no word for boundary. I mean, there is a word for boundaries. That's the thing, but it doesn't translate. It doesn't mean like- When you Google boundaries in Spanish, it's going to say limites. It's a a limite, like it's a boundary, right? Like a limit, but it's it's in the like more of a territory. Like if Mm. you're looking at countries and borders, you're going to say limites, right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's- it's that way of thinking. But then also when people have started translating texts from English into Spanish, they have adopted the word limite as a way of saying boundaries. But the issue is you try saying that to a Latino mom. (laughs) They're going to look at you like you have 17 heads. Like, what do you mean? You're putting a limite right now like that it does not translate correctly Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to set boundaries when you don't even have a word for it yeah that's going to translate correctly for your 75 year old grandmother to understand right and so the strategies someone would use in a family that's more like collectivist or like Mm -hmm. the group is more important than the individuals Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that your strategies for like communicating this and mm-hmm. ensuring your you're feeling safe and secure to practice meeting your own needs yeah. are going to look different than, than a family who really believes in individualism and, yes. and, and is kind of like, okay, this makes sense. This is within the language of our family. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say working with clients, there are definitely families all across that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like one of my recent group clients worked really hard. She was from Columbia and was like trying to work on that balance mm-hmm. for herself it's not an easy one. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's another not. thing just to kind of let everyone know, like, it's okay if this feels hard to communicate with the people in your life. Mm-hmm. Step one is to figure out what you need. And then step two is to figure out how to communicate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always have to be, I feel like it doesn't have to be called a boundary. I think that's something else that we fall into. Like there has to be a word, there has to be a way. It has it's to be like, rigid. Has to, yeah. But that That's also falling into perfectionism, patriarchy, diet culture ideas, right? You're allowed to just say how you feel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a boundary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be called a boundary. Yeah. It could just be like, mom, this is how I feel. Yeah. That's good advice. A lot of people kind of get ready for battle. Like they're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to figure out my yeah. needs yeah. and then I'm going to tell them to the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And if they don't do it, I will attack. <laughs> And I think that's a normal place to come from it's, if yeah. you've been steamrolled your whole life. I mean, I've yeah. been there before with family guys. Like, it's not easy to mm-hmm. feel like you're going to be um, dismissed. Yeah. And so, again, think of intuitive this process as we go through it as an opportunity for you to define what it is that you want. Mm-hmm then you can take the problem solving approach and figure out the steps to get yeah, there. But exactly. One step at a time is always the key as we learn these things. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I hope this helped folks maybe identify um, some food rules mm-hmm. around standard nutrition advice they'd heard, like expectations around health that they might've heard, yeah. expectations of when and where to eat. And also maybe you've identified if your family is more like individualist, like they're okay with everybody doing their own thing mm-hmm, and communicating, mm-hmm. or are they more collectivist? They really see the group as the most important thing and they yeah. want adherence to that group over everything. That would be a great takeaway from this episode. If you can start to think of those three things yeah. and we'll have your back when we start the IE series in a few weeks. Yeah. And just like writing them down, right? Like what are these roadblocks that you're feeling about these topics that we hit? And kind of like simmering through it and, and and figuring out how it feels, right? Because intuitive eating is not as intuitive as... <laughs> the outcome is intuitive. Yes. The outcome is feeling intuitive. It is intuitive once, once you have once learned you've done it, it. Yeah. and it becomes an effortless, automatic... Mm-hmm. Basically, you're responding yeah. to your own signals. It's, it's Yeah. But so that is intuitive. Yeah. But at the beginning, it does not feel that way at all. We're hoping to make that a little lighter. We'll do our best to make it a little more clear. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, that was today's episode. We'd love, love, love a review from you wherever you found this podcast so that we can help women like you looking to hear their relationship with food find our show. Not to be too ASCII here, but we haven't had a review in a short while. And I don't know why everyone's being shy. Don't be shy. I heard that these reviews do help us get found and that is super important to us in our mission. So if you don't mind, give us five stars, write something you liked 
Maybe you'll tell us your favorite episode. Or you could tell a friend about our podcast. I hear that all the time. My friend directed me to this pod (laughs) and I've been listening. So go ahead and tell your friends. Um, We'd love for you to help us spread our message. Until next time, we'll see you out there on Instagram, just like Selena and I found each other. Thanks for being here with us and being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.